Hello and welcome to The Coolest Kids. I am your co-host, Terrence Wiggins, and with me is your other co-host... Not Terrence. <laughs> that's his name. That's his new name. Brock Wilbur. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> it is a national holiday. I have had an adult beverage. He's had an adult beverage. One. Um, <laughs> I haven't had any today. But you've I had agree. nieces and nephews. I did have nieces and nephews. You can't get drunk around kids. It gets real weird. Uh, I went to a party one time. Like, it was a friend's going away party. And, like, somebody bought kids over. And I had already had, like, three drinks. And I was just like, I don't I need. I want these kids to leave. A couple, a couple years ago on Warp Tour, uh, I uh, fell in love with uh, Echo Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were on like one of those like fourth stage things. And I was like, that band is going to be huge. And they were hanging out that night at like an industry party. And I'd forgotten how to interact with people without being like, can I get you a whiskey? And I was like, oh, you're all 14 year old brothers and sisters. Uh, I'm I'm not trying to sleep or kidnap anyone here. Uh, I went to the VMAs uh, last Sunday and uh, I just kept looking at this girl sitting next to me. I was like, who are you? And finally I was like, oh, you're that girl from Echo Smith. And a few years ago, this was weird. But now... It would still be weird if I was going to bring you a drink. It, you know, the, there's an age difference. I'll never, we'll, we'll never talk and be okay. It's fine. <laughs> Echo Smith, uh, a band. Yeah, you went. You went to the VMAs. I went to the VMAs. Uh, I got Jared Leto'd again. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry that it is. It is. It is Labor Day. I have been at a, it, is, it is. I've been at a pool party with people in my building. And a guy who I only know because he happens to wear, like, Mars Volta shirts around the apartment. And I'm like, uh, you and I, for, like, two years now, like, we should talk sometime. Right. We're either going to be friends or enemies. We need to figure right. this out. And uh, we just had, like, a long conversation about, like, lesser Josh Homey albums and things. And, like, I was, and, and, and Mastodon. And I was like, this is working out okay. And then I mentioned that I'd been to the VMAs and got uh, Jared leto And he was like, that guy's a great actor. And everyone at the party just sort of like stopped and was like, my dude. And, and, and he has, he has the thing that me and my wife run into sometimes with people now, uh, which is just like, I just don't uh, follow Hollywood stories. It's like, but you don't know he's a gigantic douche. She's like, no, I just, right. is he a fine actor? I was like, I, we have to tell you about the abuse and the, uh, uh, yeah. what, what do you, what do you, uh, I, I, I backed off and I was like, what do you point to as your, your Jared Leto? Like he's a good actor. It's like Dallas Buyers Club. I was like, fine. You know what? That's fair. I was like, you know yeah. what? It, you, what you should do tonight is watch uh, Panic Room, mm -hmm. uh, which has grown uh, over the years because now it's just him and Forrest Whitaker and Jared Leto has like white boy cornrows. Uh -huh. And Forrest Whitaker clearly hates his compatriot in crime throughout the whole thing and kind of says things throughout it. They're like, why do you keep ripping off black identities? And I'm right. like, I don't even think David Fincher was smart enough to write this in 99. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's good now. <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of white guy cornrows, um, I saw a white guy with dreadlocks the other day. Oh, my God. I've been waiting to ask you about this. Oh, I'm so happy that people can hear our friendship and my longing <laughs> to hear your stories expanded. Me me and my brother were leaving the grocery <laughs> store. And I see this guy. I see this guy. He's walking with this white guy. He's walking with two <laughs> kids. He has on a black shirt and he has on uh, camo pants, cargo camo pants. Could you even see him? What, like the guy? Yeah. 
Or yeah, get, I, I saw it. Like I see him. I <laughs> like I clear. He's he's really not that far. He's like. <laughs> like uh, not at the like in the middle of the of the of the uh parking lot and i'm like right at the entrance of the parking lot gotcha and it's really not that far away and i see him and i see that he has white guy dreads and i'm just like Ugh. and then i'm following his dreads down and i'm just like where i was like where do they they just keep going they keep going down and i'm just like are they dragging on the ground behind him they're not dragging on the ground behind him. They are stuffed into his left pants pocket, his left cargo pants pocket. Cargo pants by themselves are a crime. So we have right. to start there. But I love that in your description, it's a it's like a painting that draws the eye in a direction. I had to, I had to I had to say that it was camo pants because like cargo pants are already just like bad. Like they're <laughs> they're they're too much they're way like cargo cargo pants are never like like fitting they always look way too big they're always like sort of bunched up and everything and then you got a guy wearing camo in the middle of a parking lot and it's just like it keeps building on itself it's like then he has dreadlocks and it's a white guy and you're just like what (laughs) then it goes further that these dreadlocks are so long that he's got them stuffed into his pockets (laughs) like and i my brother is like uh my brother's like, he's like, did you see that guy's dreadlocks? He was like, they were down at his calf. They were down at his calf muscles. I was just like, no, they were in his pockets. And he was like, what? He followed the eye downward and then stopped. He's like, it's too far. Yeah. The journey has yeah. taken me too long. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Uh, yeah. It was, it, like, it, it took over my life for, like, an entire day. Because I was just like, what, what does this guy do? Like, <laughs> He does this. He, yeah, apparently. He, like, he, he inflicts a, he, back he black people with too. ennui. <laughs> yeah. He he had a, he drove a huge van, too, but he only had two kids with him. So I was just like, what does he do with his long dreadlocks? Hey, sorry to van. sorry to get off topic here. Let's talk to get up, kids. <laughs> Saves a day. I sure. <laughs> Say, we're, we're actually discussing today. Uh, Saves a day second album uh through being cool which is it's kind of a surprise because so many of the albums we've talked about here have been like ostensible first first albums or even like a thursday case like okay this is the first one anyone heard it was just like this is the first album yeah um uh but uh i haven't listened to this album fully in i don't know probably since high school uh and i really i enjoyed it more now than i did when i listened to it back then because it, there's a fullness to it that isn't in a lot of, uh, a lot of, because this, this one is definitely more pop punk focused than, uh, than the other albums we have covered on the show. Uh huh. And this, this, uh, like, and, I, and I've ragged on pop punk a lot because a lot of it's real bad. Um, and this one's a lot more full. It has more, as like, it almost like, hardcore leaning to it it very much but does like, but like <laughs> and it's, Chris and it's early to that it's 99 which beats some right. of these other albums that we're listening to right like like when i remember this came out in 99 i was like why well, i feel like if this album came out like three years later it would have like they would have stuck with this sound instead of going on to do whatever the hell they went on to do because this like this is the only album by them that I really like. Like people keep telling me the "Stay What You Are" is a good album. I'm just like, yeah, fine, it's all right. 
this I this one's I definitely think is the better album. So and, uh, it's it's weird for me because I'd never given this one the real time because In Reverie is mine. I think Anywhere With really? You is like the perfect song, but also I think it's the perfect song. I was I was sitting listening to this album. I was like, why do I like that so much more than this? And it's because that's a Weezer song. It's just a Weezer song. It's <laughs> it's not it's not nerds pr- pretending to be metal. It's fucking rock stars pretending to be nerds, and that's what happens on that flawless. Yeah, track which is so heavy and great, and then this thing is such a a different genre from what the band becomes, and uh, right. it's hard to go backwards in a band's discography. Like that's where mm-hmm. I started was in Reverie, and like I've I have this album on vinyl. I go back and I visit this, and it never has really clicked with me. And and it's it's weird for me to I, I, I tried I gave it like three listens this time, and I was like, I still find this album maybe boring. But maybe mm-hmm. I'm finding it boring or saying that because uh, we've listened to a couple weeks in a row of albums that sound like this, but a little better because they came out mm-hmm. a little later. Uh, mm-hmm. Or they're like, a, like a, I'm a giant Death From Above 1979 guy. Right. And uh, the uh, the drummer keeps having all these side projects, uh, which uh, I don't know if you know this, but they, they had to throw the 1979 into their name because James Murphy uh, from uh, LCD Sound System sued them. Oh, because his his record label is Death from Above. Uh-huh. Uh, so when they first came out and they were Death from Above, he was like, "No, that can't happen." Uh, which they're now right. Death they're now Death from Above again, right? Because uh, they were just like we we sent out a bunch of promo materials and didn't put the 1979 in like as an accident, and no one uh-huh. asked any questions about what band it was, and we were like, "Right, oh shit, we'll j- just do it." Uh, so by a thing that he did a few years ago is that he has all these side projects with different bands and to make sure that he's never in the James Murphy position again, mm-hmm. uh, he mailed himself a list of band names uh, through the mail and left a sealed envelope that he keeps in a drawer somewhere so that if anyone ever sues him over a band name again, he can pull it out and be like, no, 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 I had this first and here's the post date on it. Uh, that's an aside, but the thing is like, he has a band called American lips right now, uh, that's mm-hmm. aside and, and he has a couple others and they all sort of do the same style of music. And all my friends that keep seeing these side projects keep being like, uh, it's really embarrassing. I'm like, why is it embarrassing? He's like, well, he stops in the middle of songs and he's like, uh, these songs were written for a younger band. Like they've, mm-hmm. <laughs> they've written stuff that's a little too hard. And, and that's sort of what I feel like is happening in the difference between this album versus, uh, the taking back Sunday album that we just talked about, like mm-hmm. that, ha- that is the same album as this, but it has better musicianship, younger kids with just more effort to put in. Right. Like I, I recognize the importance of this album for them and making that, but now in revisiting it, like there's, there's no excitement for it in me. And some of these songs, mm-hmm. like the, this, a, it represents what I think is, is both my favorite and least favorite part of emo. Uh, which is those songs that are sort of like, here's just a story or an in-joke among friends, and you can tell because mm-hmm. every song is like, and that's when I said, hey, Nick, I'm going to stab you with n- nails in your eyes. And you're like, who right. the fuck is Nick? Why are you threatening him with nails? Why does it still sound fun? D- explain right. yourselves. And and the, uh, the, the biggest key in I ever got to this was like seeing Ben Folds live for the first time, where every song he has, he starts with like, 
So I was at a party and this guy was on acid and he said this thing to me and then that's the title of the song and then it's just uh-huh. about me being at this party. I was like, you just fucking tourist in other people's lives and just write things <laughs> down all the time and you've never had an original goddamn idea in your life. And that's what it starts to feel like here where it's like, hey, Danielle, thanks for returning my DVD. And you're like, who? what's the DVD? Is this an American Psycho reference? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like... Um... The whole uh, making references to people that you don't know about is a very pop punk thing to do and yes. not necessarily emo thing to do. Sure. Like emo feels like more. Uh, it should be broader. These songs are, yeah. Yeah. It's like these songs are for everyone. Well, like pop, like the pop punk side of this is uh, like, like, no, I know who I'm talking about. And, you know, <laughs> like you can look this guy up uh, because my friends, um, my friend's band, uh, they used to have a song. Well, the you. I'm going to say used to, but uh, they, I don't think they play it anymore called, uh, they had a manager and his name was Jay and they have a song that he was like a real, a kind of terrible guy, I guess. I don't remember. I don't remember the whole story behind it, but they had a song called don't talk to Jay. And, uh, yeah. So I, I feel like it's a very pop punk thing to, to call out somebody. Uh, uh-huh. um, call out culture started with the pop punks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I kind of like that about this because it does make it feel more personal. Like, uh, like, like you can, like, if you didn't know that that those two brand new and taken back Sunday songs were about brand new and taken oh, back sure. Sunday, you just think it'd be about anybody else. But like, I feel like you could probably type in like Chris Conley, Nick, and then like some guy named Nick will show up, and you were just like, oh, <laughs> that's who he's talking about. It's about all Nicks. <laughs> it's about every Nick. Um, but it also like when he, when he says the name Nick, you kind of get an image like, and when you listen to the rest of the song, you kind of get this image of a guy who's just like a dick (laughs) and like, you know who he's talking about, but like, but somebody in your life, like going back to the taking back sending brand new thing, it feels like, like they're talking about somebody specific, but it's about a specific situation. Right. When saves the days, uh, is singing about Nick. It's just like, you know, that guy in your life, like you're just like, ah, this fucking guy. I had a, uh, I had a, uh, complicated, uh, discussion about depression with a friend recently because mm-hmm. we're both this person, uh, mm-hmm. and everyone comes to us because we know, uh, and, uh, he made the choice a year ago to, uh, give his depression a name, Uh, Mm -hmm. and to give it its own personality so we can talk about it like it's a person. I was like, weird to give it that much power, but also whatever works for you, it's good. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I I named my depression Chad. Uh, And he finally, finally got a a therapist, which in Los Angeles can be a a six-month process. Like, just getting a therapist is hard. And sometimes, especially you're like, and and this was his case, like, uh, you know that you need a specialist for something, and specialists can take a year. And so you just wind up with some sort of, like, general therapist and then you can go down a weird road of like somebody that doesn't really get it and you're actually set back Um, right so his sort of general therapist that he's supposed to meet with next week is named chad (laughs) and he was like what do i do i just say at the start of it like dude i just need you to be cool and a professional but you are the personification of my depression that i've given (laughs) but now i'm gonna take advice from you just just work with that. Don't try to make me not do it. And I was like, well, Chad is such a good one because the, the specifics of it are that there are no good chats. It's fine. No one knows a good Chad. It's perfect. This therapist will probably be bad at his job. His name is Chad. Call him Charles if you want to get away with this. It's fine. 
so, so I'm on the uh, I'm on the Save the Day Through Being Cool Genius page, and uh, they have the top Through Being Cool scholars, and number eight is Brock Wilbur. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Uh, I was so helpful today. <laughs> Uh, because, uh, I can't, I can't remember what song it is. Yeah, it's, uh, The Vast Boys of America for the Badlands of the Ocean. Uh, Brock, Brock decided to say that, uh, <laughs> the second line of the song is, there's something great about Kansas, and Brock says, there's not. I signed up for the website to do that <laughs> and nothing else ever again, but I charted it. It's important. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, and it says this annotation is unreviewed. <laughs> I like uh, that the things to mark there are, like, are, are are some weird comments on it that's like, does this just repeat the line? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, it does. That's actually a strike against me. So this album, like, it's a, it's a good album, and I get it. It's just, it has no place for me, mm-hmm. and it feels strange. Tell me about what place it occupies for you. Um... I would say more than anything, it kind of bridged the gap between like listening to stuff like uh, it is a, it is a little bit harder than like any of the albums we've done before, besides like Thursday, um, and it kind of bridged the gap between that emo and like melodic hardcore. Uh, even, where it's... even the even the Wikipedia for it says uh, it it, uh, it compares them and their touring to like Snapcase and Hot Water Music and Face to Face, and I'm like. Oh, that actually gives me a context for this that I never had before. Like, I would absolutely watch this version of Saves the Day open for Hot Water Music. That makes perfect right. sense to me. <laughs> right, um, and that like that this was a this was the Saves the Day I knew. So when they like when they go on and Chris Connolly now sings like ten octaves higher than he did on this album, he changes like, the octave of his voice. It's insane, and that's why. And that's another. I I wanted to ask you like, did they make a lineup change between these albums because it doesn't sound like the same band? Right. Like I don't. I don't. I honestly don't know because like I remember because there was there's after this there's Stay What You Are which at your funeral comes from and everyone loves that song. Yeah. Um. But, like, you could start to tell, like, that's where his voice, he starts changing his voice. And it sounds, it sounds fine there. But, like, I think, like, beyond that, it starts to, it gets real, like, high-pitched and weird. But it's not high-pitched in the way, like, like, Claudio Sanchez from, uh, from Code and Cambria or... No, not that. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, like, it, but it, it just, like, it doesn't sound right to me. Because he's going like he started a band with um, Max Bemis of Saves the Day, and like I think the band sounds great, but once he starts singing, I'm just like I have to turn this off. <laughs> it, it, like, and 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 to, uh, to compare this album to just the song Anywhere with You, like even even the guitars become this sort of like harp sort of thing where they just put a capo up at the top of the thing and and strum it stuff like it 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 is such a it is such a change that occupies different spectrums of, of the audio scale. And, and to hear this is to hear the garage formation of an angry version of something that I did not know them to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, uh, uh, there's a band, there's a folk band, uh, called attack and black. <laughs> okay. And, like they started off as a, like a, like a hardcore, like post hardcore band. I want to say, uh, sort of similar to this, and so you go back to listen to it, and you're just like, "What in the 
what in the world? Like, this doesn't sound anything. Or it's like hearing uh, Dallas Green from uh, City and Color. Like, you listen to, like, if you discovered City and Color first, and they were just like, oh, I wonder what other music he did, and you went and found Alexis on Fire, you'd be like, <laughs> like, this isn't what I was expecting at all. If you found Sugar Ray back when they were opening for the Deftones. Right. If you heard uh, Green Machine or Mean Machine, whatever that song was called. <laughs> Breathe! Or if you like uh, to to be more like a uh, mainstream focus again with Sugar Ray, if you listen to uh, Stone Sour and then you're <laughs> like, I wonder what Corey Taylor does. It's like, oh, it's Slipknot, and you're just like, this isn't not this is not at all the same thing. Sorry, that's for our other podcast, Taylorography, where we <laughs> listen to the discography of Corey Taylor. <laughs> I think that's the guy from Stone Sour and Slipknot. It, you, you, you had it. You're right. Okay. I, the only, I'm amazed that you had it in you. I'm so proud to be your friend. The only, the only reason I remember his name is because of a YouTube video <laughs> of, <laughs> of uh, their, uh, one of my favorite YouTube channel, uh, Super Best Friends. They have a show on Machinima where they were playing like uh, Xbox Live indie games, and a guy comes running at the camera, and he's like, and Corey Taylor comes running at you. And I was just like, that's the only reason I remember Corey Taylor's <laughs> name. Other than that, I haven't heard the name Corey Taylor since I was like 15. He's just a Leroy Jenkins for you? Pretty much. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, but this album, like... Like you were saying, you went back to listen to this album. I like, I guess, go forward because he he was even on say uh, say anything's uh, in defense of the genre. He did a song uh, with them on there, and like I love the song that he's on, but like it's he's on like the last half of the song, and as soon as his voice like, <laughs> like punch it like punches through the ground, just like I'm here, and my voice is real weird and high pitched. I'm just like I can't deal with this. You're saying he Goku's the song. He Goku's the song. I don't. Um, I don't watch anime. Did that reference work? It works. It's fine. Hooray! Um, Goku gets loud, uh, but like his his voice doesn't match with like I like if I'm sure if I would have heard like uh, in Reverie first, uh -huh. I would have probably went on to like the rest of their stuff, but like it just it just didn't like gel with my. With my, like my 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 sound view of sure. saves the day, um, that <laughs> that that not gelling thing. Uh, I don't know if I told you before. I'm in a dad rock band. Uh, we're called the Sixty Nineties, and we cover one hit wonders from the Sixties and the Nineties. <laughs> uh, which it took us more than two years to figure out uh, that thing you do actually works in both. And I was uh -huh. so mad when I did it. I was like, but fictionally, <laughs> but it also was technically a what? Fucking idiot me. Uh, so, yeah, if you ever want to see me do uh, some toadies like a motherfucker. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, everyone else in the band worked at Universal Music and they all got laid off at the same time. And then uh, they all had kids at the same time. And that's when I was like, I'm in a dad rock band. Uh, but my buddy, uh, on his way out, uh, stole all these albums that were the, uh, the non-vocal, uh, versions of like hundreds of like universal releases. Mm -hmm. And that was how he listened to a bunch of these albums, especially things like Deftones, White Pony and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, these albums are great. And then he would go back later to literally everything he took from Universal and to hear it with somebody singing over the top. He was like, this is fucking bad. 
this is a bad <laughs> thing. And I was like, White Pony is one of my favorite albums. He's like, well, that guy, his voice, you, you, you have to hear it without the voices because that's when it's good. Uh, and I feel like that that's a thing that especially like when I hear somebody that doesn't like mesh with what the other singer is, I'm like, what's the version of this where I just never heard words? Like, uh, what's the version of it where the guitars just sounded nice and the, the drums had pop to them? <laughs> right. Um, have you heard that? I've never liked ACDC. Me neither. Um, oh, but I used to have a band where I, I we would, uh, it was acoustic, me and a girl, and we would cover ACDC songs. Uh, but I forget that ACDC songs have verses. So we uh-huh. would just do the verses of these songs, like uh-huh. Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Treat, where the third verse is about like your school teacher fucked you so you want to murder his wife like and uh-huh. you're just like what are these verses like right. everyone remembers the choruses but i i too also hate acdc i don't get uh, it <clears throat> like i never really had i didn't have a problem with acdc <laughs> like it was it was never like i was never like man i hate this band and then i heard like their isolated vocals like brian <laughs> wilson's is that, is that his name is it brian, no brian, brian wilson's the uh, the beach boys got from beach boys What's the guy from? What's the guy from ACDC? Dead. Uh, huh? He's dead. <laughs> no. What is the the guy? Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson is the guy, the singer of ACDC, and he has the worst voice I've ever heard in my life. Like, I when I heard uh, when I heard the isolated vocals from Bag and Black, I was just like, how does anyone even listen to this band? Because his voice sounds like. Like you sped up a a, a rock chewer, like it's, <laughs> that's pretty like, it good. It sounds like you like it sounds like you added the chipmunk effect on top of like rocks being grounded because it's it's awful. Like I don't understand how anybody <laughs> listens to it. I don't know if you've ever watched uh, the uh, first decade of music videos they made, but they're all just uh, the band like on a truck driving down a street where it looks like they're playing like a a, a gorilla show. Mm-hmm. but it's just synced to the music video. Like it, it's clearly not that. And they're clearly not even playing the same song as what's happening. Right. And it, it's, it's from like the first year of music videos and they just did so many right at the same time. I was like, well, it's good that we remember them as looking like a uh, fucking uh, clown popsicles. Like it's a fucking right. stupid. Uh, and then junk s- still dresses in that yes. fucking good Lord. Good Lord. <laughs> he still dresses like that. I'm just like, it is, it was upsetting to see like a grown man dressed like that, like, like a if you watch boy? like their old stuff. But he's like an old man now, and it's just like you got you have to stop that. Like it's it's really upset. Like it's like it looks like like somebody you would find on the news, just like this man is accused of being a pedophile, and you're just like, of course he is. Look how he's dressed. Who are your other musical, uh, not blind spots, but non spots? Because I think Kiss fits in there for me. Um. Yeah, um, the my first exposure to Kiss, like real exposure, was Tony Hawk's Underground. <laughs> of course, or same. Yeah, was it was it Underground or was it uh, American Wasteland? American Wasteland. It was, <laughs> I think it it was, was one of the it was one of the Tony Hawks where, like the last level, like the secret level of the game was a Kiss concert. Yeah, and it played they played Kiss songs. I don't remember which one it was. Oh, um, I think it's underground. I, I feel like I know American Wasteland better than this. <laughs> yeah, American Wasteland was the one where they had a bunch of the bands that we've covered on this on the show do covers of older punk songs. 
and I have that uh, I have that on my hard drive. Um, I I like some of those covers. Anyway, um, Kiss is yeah, Kiss is another band where I I had no like feelings for, mm-hmm. and then like I actually like listened to some of their stuff. I'm just like. Like, you do realize how y'all are dressed and, like, the stuff you sing about is just, like, it's sort of, like, doesn't match up because, like, Kiss, like, dresses, like, like, uh, like, Icelandic metal bands, death metal bands, but they get on stage and they're just like, hey, everybody, let's have a good time, let's party, and it's just like, you, why do you sing songs, it's basically, like, beach rock songs, except for, there's, it doesn't have, like, that beach rock feel to it. Like every kiss song, it's just like we're having fun and it's party time, and like they're they're on stage dressed like they just crawled out of hell, and it's just like, <laughs> where, where are you? Are you still dads trying to trying to like uh, show show kids that you're cool? Like, I don't know. have you seen the movie still. Role Models? Yes. So when when they explained to Bobby J. Thompson about how these Jewish dudes dressed up in makeup and fucked for four decades uh, while singing about love guns, and that's what uh-huh. Kiss is. I was like, uh-huh. okay, maybe, you know what? A, a, a movie doing a funny bit. Yeah, actually, maybe I get it now. It's fine. <laughs> and like, I, and Springsteen is one of these missed spots for me, too. Uh, but now I've read so many pieces about, like, what kind of asshole are you to have, uh, to think that he's like false about his like blue collar promises or something that I'm like, okay, I got think pieced out of that one. I just have no opinions. Now it's fine. <laughs> you know what I think about Bruce Springsteen is that white, it's white people music. Like yep. <laughs> that is the whitest white people music. I don't care. There's a black guy in the band. That <laughs> stupid fucking Santa Claus song that he does every year <laughs> makes me want to drive my car off a bridge. I don't give a shit about like I wore blue jeans and my name and it's the whitest white people music ever. And I'm tired of people just like Bruce Springsteen's great. I'm just like, if you think he's great, that's fine. But if you think he's like the best thing that's ever happened to music, you need to get away from me. Yeah, it drives he, me crazy. But it, like a decade ago, finding out about like the fact that he does like three and a half hour concerts for his fans and d- never like charges an insane amount for things. It's like on the most right. basic level, like that's fucking cool. Like right. I, I never I, I will never oh, say I, like, a I bad have, word about him. <laughs> I have nothing against Bruce Springsteen as a person. Uh, I don't care about his music and I'm tired of people telling me how great it is. And in fact, the thing that gets me more excited about his music is every time, like, a Republican candidate for something oh, yes, uses, he like, made in the, born in the USA and doesn't right. realize it's satirical, that leads to somebody writing a piece about the number of satirical pieces that he's written over the years right. about he's, patriotism that can be mistaken as patriotism. And I'm like, you right. know what? I'm in for, like, t- fucking tongue-in-cheek patriotism. Tell me more right. about that, Springsteen. He's like the opposite of Billy Joel. He is. <laughs> Uh, well, well, even though Joel while they're is... they're the same person, obviously. <laughs> well, Billy Joel is like charged is like exorbitant amounts to play piano songs that mostly he didn't make, uh, and like sings about stuff and like uh, what is what is the song? Uh, piano Man is like he's just like, basically ju- sitting at a piano and judging people, and being a real dick about it. Um, while like I can respect Bruce Springsteen on that, but also I don't. I'm fine. Never hearing a Bruce Springsteen song. 
So saves the day. So saves the day. I like this album. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I'm, I, I give it time every year because I know it's supposed to be important to me. It, it just, it came out not. of order for me. And, and, uh-huh. and even sitting down like today to like, you know, reread through the lyrics while listening to the songs. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's ostensibly good. Mm-hmm. It just, uh, so much of this podcast is about us sharing, like, this thing has, like, an inf- important fucking thing that it dug into my soul and I can never pull right. it out. And right. this is just, like, this is a good album. I I get it. I I don't associate it with any hardship. It didn't do that weird uh, emo stomach-turning thing to me while re-listening to. Right. It's good, and I like it. And I understand that you have a, a deeper, like, line in. Oh, the... The fucking Wikipedia page here compares it to Foo Fighters' Color in the Shape, Weezer's Pinkerton, and Joni Mitchell's Blue. That's uh, Wikipedia does a bad job at things sometimes. That's right. a really good trifecta of what this album exists between. If Joni Mitchell's Blue was made by some angry white guys that were maybe a little too old to be making angry white guy music, <laughs> but we're also inventing a new subgenre, that's where we are. Oh, this is fucking good. Okay. How old, how old was Chris Connell in the cellar? Chris Connell is... 37 now and so this album he was 19 when this album came out i don't know why i just keep making them older than they were (laughs) he is 50 years old now um but i do i do think like there there were like violent lyrics in this and i think that there's so much violence in this what and I it's, think, it's what big, I like about I didn't that, want to bring it up this week because we brought it up like the last three weeks. Where I'm like, oh, was I always this sort of like sexually violent person? Why did that happen? What I what I think is 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 good about it is that like it it's it doesn't shy away from from thoughts that everyone has. Like like if you if you're a person who says you've never had a violent thought or something like that. You are lying to yourself and you're lying to everyone else. <laughs> like, th- I think there's something to be said about having violent lyrics, but not overusing them. Sure. Yes. Because there, there's like three songs on this album that have like violent lyrics, but it's like, it's it's not so over the top or, or, or it's not, it's not so overused that it, it becomes like annoying or like no like like a lot of uh a lot of hardcore bands like i feel like they overuse like how violent they are and it's just like this hundred pound white guy and you're just like get out of here. you're fine <laughs> yeah it's just like you no no you're not um <laughs> and i like like uh and I'll, like there's there's two songs on this album about girls like um yeah Rock's Tonic, Juice Magic, and uh, Hollyhocks, Forget Me Not, but uh, which are like opposite sides of the What I like about Hollyhocks, Forget Me Not, is that he, it's clearly him like trying to uh, get this girl to think he's cool. That he even <laughs> is like talking to her dad, just like <laughs> tell your daughter uh, that I think it's 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 more. It sounds like uh, it sounds like she might have broke up with her, him or something, and she he wants to get back back with her mm-hmm. and he's like telling her dad like listen i want your daughter like i want your daughter to talk to me like it's not it's 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 the opposite side of the corn of rock's tonic juice magic which is uh like a where it says in this in the in the in this genius website i can't even say it don't trust like, that uh, the description 
the <laughs> the description talks about a, a, the point of view of a mistreated boyfriend, and uh, but even like, I don't know, I don't know, I like it. I, I yeah. think it's I think it's real in a way that a lot of albums don't touch. Yes. Um, and 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 I, I I was coming around to that violence by the end of it. I was like at first like this is dumb or too much and yeah you know what it's not a hardcore band the word stab isn't in every song it's angry and it's a little too early to know what proper anger looks like so it's right it's like it's it sounds like he's working stuff out in the song instead of exactly working this, it this out album in real sounds life. like it's in process <laughs> right um which i think a lot of a lot of hardcore songs don't get into right uh because this de- like i said earlier this definitely has like hardcore influences um especially like like the the drumming and yeah uh like the hard guitar excuse me um that a lot of bands don't get into um like i thought this was a good mix of like this and i think this this sort of informed my um my sort of pop punk uh out view because oh cool okay <laughs> like like it, it sort of ruined it for me because like he he does have like a pop punk voice right but like the instrumentation and like the lyrics don't fit in with the rest of the pop punk bands that came out around this time no not at all um and so like that's i think that this this might have ruined pop punk for me in a way um because like this is around the same time that newfound glory is uh nothing gold can stay and like uh, Enema of the State came out, and, like, those are not this, like, like, I don't know. And it still sounds good, like, pro- like production-wise, this album still sounds really good. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I really like this album, and uh, I think people should listen to it still. Yeah, and, and it gets a, as we're ending, it gets my vote that this is worth the re-listen. It's good. Can't wait till we get to the, to an album that we're just both like, no, you don't you don't have to listen to this. It's fine. We're we're so much better at being shitty about things, <laughs> like, right? Um, maybe we should I mean, plan that one next. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Trying to think. I'm trying to think of some. I'm trying to think of something that's just like, uh, no. Maybe well, like a story of the year or throw me any Blink One Eighty Two album. Uh, I like him out of the state, but only like three songs off of it. Why don't why, like... why don't we do that uh, the live uh, take off your pants and jacket? No, <laughs> full of the transphobic jokes and bullshit. Let's listen to wanna... that again. Let no, let's do that. <laughs> I don't, don't want to listen to that. God damn it, Terrence! Let me be mad. It's <laughs> like a there's like a isn't there like a song about fucking a dog on there? I don't know. I've never heard it. <laughs> I pretty like I've never heard it either. <laughs> like not all the way through. Concepts of what it could be. I, well, right. I, like I just remember there. I remember somebody telling me there's like a song about fucking a dog and like there's a bunch of bad shit. And I'm just like, this is a pop punk live album that came out in like 2003 or 2001. I really don't. This is like that. That was like the era of like Jackass and Bam Margera was on TV a lot. And I'm just like, I don't. Look, we're gonna sit down around a Family Values album from the Family Values tour. 1999, motherfucker. Uh, uh, Let me see them letters. (laughs) We should do like a harder album next, like a 
from Alvin to Ashes or Reggie in the Full Effect. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking about, like, just, like, the shittiness of, like, 2003, like, 2001, like, high school, like, oh, that, yeah. that sort of, like, because that was, like, jackass era, and I'm just like, ugh. But also, we're no. so good at being mad about, uh, not these albums, but what they reveal about ourselves. Like, right. the albums here that we've been like, this reveals what I was at a point in time is so much angrier than we could get mad at, like, uh, Blink-182, so. Yeah. They could always talk about Tom DeLonge being a crazy person. Well, yeah. You know what? Uh, I've not listened to an Alkaline Trio album before. Uh, I've heard, like, three Alkaline Trio songs. <laughs> um... <laughs> I mean, this is a good like one for us to listen to for the first time now. Uh, so, uh, Matt, Matt Skiba replaced replaced Tom DeLonge for a reason. Um, <laughs> zing, zing, pop, UFOs, um, my man. I was, I was like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Angel and the Airwaves album. I have. Uh, oh, Lord. Because it was uh, promised to me as a Pink Floyd album. Oh, it is very much not. It is very much um, not that. Uh, it's not anything that anyone should hear because uh, like, it almost has that same problem that i have with later saves the day stuff where it's just like his voice does not go with what this music is playing um, <laughs> well uh, we're the coolest kids we'll listen to what we can get uh <laughs> i'm brock i'm on twitter at brock wilbur and i'm terrence and i'm on i'm on twitter at the black nerd uh, st- uh stay tuned for more garbage like this <laughs> um, <laughs> No, no, do the sign-off. You have to do the sign-off. Oh, yeah, we have to do the sign-off. Thank you for listening to the show. We are the coolest kids, and we take what we can get. I love you. 